Okay, let's begin with a word of prayer. O holy and most merciful God, you have taught us the way of your commandments. We implore you to pour out your grace into our hearts. Cause it to bear fruit in us that, being ever mindful of your mercies and your laws, we may always be directed to your will and daily increase in love toward you and one another. Enable us to resist all evil and to live a godly life. Help us to follow the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to walk in his steps until we shall possess the kingdom that has been prepared for us in heaven, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay. So, uh, here's what we've got to do. Uh, I know there are some of you who weren't here the first week, some of you who weren't here the second week, and some of you who weren't here <coughs> either week. But it's okay, because we're going to review the story. We're, we're studying Tobit. Um, if you have the, so we ran into this problem with the King James Version that it sounds different when I'm reading, so it's questionable as to whether or not that's actually useful for you to follow along, but if you'd like to, there's two more copies of the King James Version of the Apocrypha over there. Um, and Tobit, you remember, is the story about um, a family of the tribe of Naphtali during the Assyrian exile, right? And so on, on your handout here, I tried to sort of summarize the key points and let's just take a look at this and tell me if I've missed anything. Tell me, um, we'll, so we'll, we'll tra- sort of traverse the story a little bit and then re- re- um, refresh your memories and tell me if I've missed anything. So we're introduced to Tobit, who is um, a righteous man, right? He, his righteousness is exhibited in that he tithes, remember, like threefold when he goes to Jerusalem, he brings money for the priests, brings money for the temple, brings money to buy stuff. Um, for Jerusalem, and he also buries the dead, for which he gets in trouble, right? He, remember, he's, um, he's punished for, for burying the dead. Yes, Krista. But, uh, but can I say only he buries the, bread, uh, the dead, but only the Jews? Yeah, and that's important later. Okay, so he only buries the Jews, and that's important later. Um, remember this when we get down to his exhortation to Tobias. Um, remember that he only tells Tobias to show mercy to put bread on the graves of the righteous, but not on the, the graves of sinners, okay? So remember that, okay? Um, in spite of his suffering, he still buries the dead, and then um, after having, they sat down to have a feast, and he said, go, so it said, go invite whoever you find. Um, the man went out to find somebody and found a dead body, and said, and Tobias said, we got to stop. Tobit said, we got to stop. He went and buried the body. He was unclean, leaned up against the wall, the sparrow droppings in his eyes, right? He's blind. And it's just been downhill um, for him. Then, the, then what happened was, remember, Anna has to work. His wife, Anna, has to work. And she brings him a goat, a bonus. And he says, you must have stolen it. Let's take it back. And then she lets him have it. Where are your charitable works now? What good at all of that do you? Um, look at how much you're suffering. And he is bears this reproach. Remember the theme of reproach. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. I um, mean, what does he do? He prays for death. Have I missed, have I missed anything to this point? Krista. Um, that, as you see, she is spinning. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. In the Rembrandt that... Yeah. In the Rembrandt you saw, uh, saw last week, Anna is spinning. So there's... I should, I should tell you, there are two, two versions of this story. One's a longer version and one's a shorter version. And... The longer version has a bit more detail and includes things like the work that Anna did 
which was we, uh, yeah right right she earned it yeah it was she was she was faithful um, but re- remember that the big deal for uh, Tobit is the fact that he is he's enduring this reproach and remember the we, re- we see it in Psalm sixty nine. Um, the psalmist prays that nobody would would suffer on account of the of their repro- of his reproach. So he's suffering for righteousness, but he doesn't want that to dissuade anybody else from being righteous, right? Okay, everybody on board. Have I missed anything? Okay, then we're introduced to Sarah, and Sarah's story is pretty straightforward. She has had seven husbands. All of them have died on her wedding night. So they actually haven't been her husbands um, because the demon Asmodeus kills them. So she's tormented by this demon. And then do you remember what happens? So the, her maids scold her. They, they say, um, they, they scold her because she's been beating them. And they say, uh, you, don't we all know that you've been strangling your husbands? We hope that you never have any kids. That's what they said. And um, it was terrible. <laughs> and she, she also prayed for death. She prayed for death. But what, do you remember what her hesitance in... She thought about taking her own life, but what was her hesitance there? Do you remember? Her parents wouldn't have anyone yeah. to take care of them. Or she was the, yeah, she was the only child of her parents. But she thought, I have no future anyways. I can't have a husband. I can't have kids. So, Because every husband keeps on dying. <laughs> All right? Then we get this, uh, this interlude where we are introduced to the the angel Raphael. God is the healer. And what's Raphael going to do? Do you remember what he's going to do? He's going to solve everybody's problems. He's going to take care of Asmodeus, the demon, and he's going to heal Tobit's blindness. But we've got a long way to go before we get there. So we ended last week with um, Tobit sending for Tobias and giving him this long speech. Remember, what was the order of the things that he said in this speech? What, what kind of stuff did he say in this speech that he gave to Tobias? Do you remember? What kind of, yeah. Yeah, bury me and take care of your mother. Do righteous things. Um, give. Right? Um, your good deeds will be rewarded. And which is, uh, which is, of course, ironic for him to be saying this. Not ironic, but it's potent for him to be saying this. Poignant, because his good deeds have been rewarded with what? Suffering. Right? Um, and then after uh, that long exhortation, which... Sounds a lot like some of the things that Jesus says, except Jesus often says, he takes it to the next level, right? You've heard it said, Be, show mercy to the righteous and not the sinners. I say to you, love your enemy. Love your enemy. Bless those who curse you, or bless those who hate you. Krista. But, um, Pastor, he should get the money, what to be his, uh, lent, uh, Right. Long, long time ago. Uh, they, yeah, this was... This this was yeah, this is the this was the, the this is what drives the story forward. So the last thing he says is, "You got to go visit this guy Gabael. I left a bunch of money with him a long time ago, and you're gonna go get the money, and then everything will be okay because we're poor, um, and the, he'll still take care of take care of all of our problems." This is the last thing I'm gonna say to you because I'm gonna die. I prayed to die. I'm gonna die. Okay. Um, now I just gave you I gave you this article from Christianity Today. Um, it's a long article, but you might just, maybe just, if you're interested, take a look at it. Um, what it does is it shows you the contrast between a guilt culture and a shame culture. And this was helpful, remember, because 
um, both Tobias and Sarah are suffering. They're, 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 the thing that they suffer the most is not the material losses that they have, but the reproach that they bear as a result of their material losses, right? So Tobit's done these good works and he's suffered. And people say about him, Where, what, good are the, what good were those works you did? And people say about Sarah, you must have strangled your husbands, right? Um, but she's a, she's a righteous person. And so it's that false reproach, that shame, that they want to have, have released from, have, be free from. Um, and this, this article talks a bit about how uh, technology has, is sort of changing the way that our culture is oriented so that we move from guilt, which um, says that you can be measured against some sort of external objective standard, to shame, um, which says that your, your worth is determined by what other people say about you. And now, given you know, everything that's available on the Internet, it's what anybody says about you, people you don't know, right? And, how, and um, so take a, look at, take a look at that article if you like. Um, we, have to, we have to get on with the story because um, it's, it's really exciting. Any questions? No? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're on Chapter 5, and I'm going to read a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit. If you have questions, if you don't remember something, don't hesitate to ask. It's always good for us to refresh our memories. So Tobit has just told Tobias to go and get the money from Gabael, the son of Gabrius, at Ragus in Media. It's a long journey across the Tigris River, way, way far away. Okay, chapter 5. Tobias answered him, Father, I will do everything you have commanded me, but how can I obtain the money when I don't know the man? So Tobit, Tobit gave him the receipt and said to him, Find a man to go with you, and I will pay him wages as long as I live, and go and get the money. So, Tobit, so Tobias went to look for a man, and he found Raphael, who was an angel. But Tobias did not know it. This is key. Tobias didn't know he was an angel. Tobias said to him, Can I go with you to Ragus in Media? Are you acquainted with that region? The angel replied, I will go with you. I am familiar with the way. I have stayed with our brother Gabriel. How convenient. Then Tobias said to him, Wait for me, and I shall tell my father. And he said to him, Go and do not delay. So he went in and said to his father, I have found someone to go with me. He said, call him to me so that I may learn to what tribe he belongs and whether he is a reliable man to go with you. So we're going to pause there for just a second. Um, Notice what happens. Tobit wants somebody to go with Tobias um, to to help him along the way. Why would he want want that? Just, Just a very basic reason. Safety, right? He's concerned about his safety, right? So not only the journey there, but then traveling back with the load of cash he's going to have, right? Uh, it'd be helpful if we had somebody come along. And he's going to pay this guy to help Tobit, Tobias. I can't keep their name straight. Um, but then also, what's, what's the criterion that Tobit is most interested in for this person who's going to go with Tobias? What's the thing he's concerned about? Well, his tribe, yeah. Is he, is he one of our people? Um, which is the same thing, remember, this is the big concern in who Tobias is going to marry. Make sure you take a wife from among our people, right? Because he, he wants to be assured of the trustworthiness of this fellow. Okay, so this is what happens. Verse 10. Tobias invited him in. He entered, and they greeted each other. Then Tobit said to him, My brother, to what tribe and family do you belong? Tell me. But he answered, Are you looking for a tribe and a family? 
or for a man whom you will pay to go with your son. So Raphael has a sharp tongue. And Tobit said to him, I should like to know, my brother, your people and your name. Raphael replied, I am Azarias, son of the great Ananias, one of your relatives. Then Tobit said to him, You are welcome, my brother. Do not be angry with me because I tried to learn your tribe and family. You are a relative of mine, of a good and noble lineage. For I used to know Ananias and Jathan, the sons of the great Shemaiah, when we went together to Jerusalem to worship and offer the firstborn of our flocks and the tithes of our produce. They did not go astray in the error of our kindred. My brother, you come of good stock. But tell me, what wages am I to pay you? A drachma a day and the expenses for yourself as for my son? And besides... I will add to your wages if you both return safe and sound. So they agreed to these terms. Okay, so what, uh, what happened? What, what stands out to you about that little vignette? I thought it was an angel. It was an angel. But why did he say he was He's a liar. <laughs> In fact, this has bothered more pious Christians than me. Uh, the, the fact that Raphael was a liar. But if you, you want to excuse him, um, the, the name Azarias means the Lord has helped. So he's just being a little bit subtle, right? But Pastor, I think when, when he would say, I come from heaven. You think he, you think he would say that? Uh, yeah, what, what should he say? You know, I, well, yeah, right. Yeah, what, yeah. What, what would he so, yeah, to, yeah to, Tobit is looking for somebody from the, from, from the family, yeah. right? So he gets what he asks for. And in fact, some, it's somebody that Tobit trusts explicitly, right? These people, remember what Tobit had said. He said, look, the whole tribe of Naphtali has gone astray. Nobody except for me goes to Jerusalem and offers the sacrifices. Well, it turns out there's, there's, there's a few people who, who do that, right? And this, this guy belongs to that good stock, supposedly, okay? Anything else stand out to you? I know. Or is this an example of this idea of like entertaining the angels you don't even know? But where else in the scripture do we see that? I mean, we know Jesus when he comes back and hides the fact that he's an angel. Yeah, so I think it, so it's an, it is an example of entertaining angels when you don't know it. And um, there's more to say about that in a little bit. But I think that, so I mean, it's tempting to di- sort of to ask questions about. Um, how the plot is moving along here, and I would say simply this: I think that the plot is just being driven along at this point, right? We got to get we got to get on the road, we, and we need a, we need a reason for Raphael to be there, and so this is this is what happened. Because I mean, to, Tobias goes out and just looks around and says, "Hey, you, you want to go with? Oh yeah, I know I know Gabriel. We're old friends, right?" Um, uh, so so it, I mean, it's, it's a plot device really at this point. The fact that but the one of the important plot devices is. The fact that we're going to be um, seeing a lot of irony on account of the fact that Tobias doesn't know Raphael's an angel, right? That's, that's important, that he doesn't know he's an angel. Anything else? So now we, have, so the reason Raphael, the reason Tobit wants somebody to go with Tobias is for his safety. Notice what, remember, here, listen again to what he said at the end. I will pay you a drachma a day and expenses for yourself as for my son. And besides, I will add to your wages if you both return safe and sound. So, um, how sure is Tobit that 
Tobias is going to make it back safe and sound. <laughs> he <laughs> needs to sweeten the pot a little bit for a safe return of both of them, right? I think that that's, that's just something really important to bear in mind. This was a dangerous journey. Tobit was just not sure that it was going to work out. I mean, huh? this man may be of good stuff, but... Right, yeah. He's got to give him some incentive to return the sun and the cash, right? There's money involved, right? Now, to me, it... So, um, well, let's move on. We'll talk, there's, more, there's more comparisons to make. When, as I'm reading here, think about other Bible stories that, the, that this, this story reminds you of. Okay. So, Anna, his mother, began to weep and said to Tobit, Why have you sent our child away? Is he not the staff of our hands as he goes in and out before us? Do not add money to money but consider it rubbish as compared to our child. For the life that is given to us by the Lord is enough for us. And Tobit said to her, Do not worry, my sister. He will return safe and sound, and your eyes will see him. For a good angel will go with him. His journey will be successful, and he will come back safe and sound. So she stopped weeping. Now, so I'll just... Interestingly, I think that there's a... There's a you, can ta- you can see a parallel here between... This story and the story of Abraham and sacrificing Isaac, right? Um, you hear it in the way that Abraham talks about the sacrifice, right? So along the way, Isaac says, hey, where's the lamb? And what does Abraham say? God will provide, right? And here, Abraham is uh, giving up the, 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 rod, the, the rod and staff that belongs to them, right? Don't worry about money, but our child is our life. And Abraham was sacrificing sacrificing his child. And he, yet, as we read in Hebrews, right, he believed that even from the dead, God could raise his son, right? And that's really what's, that's really sort of the, the setting, the context of what's going on here. Tobit is sending off his son it, to, it, into a world that he can't, you know, that he has no control over. He's blind to begin with. And he's sending his son off with somebody who he, doesn't, he hardly knows. Marilyn? I guess I'm thinking of Jacob. The dad being yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And he goes off and he does come back with wealth. Yeah, yeah. He goes off empty and he comes back um, with two wives and two extra wives. And then, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely. And 12 kids. Yeah. So um, it's thematic. It's, it's, it, it's, it's definitely calling to mind all of these stories of sending, some, sending somebody off in whom your hope rests, right? Because that's true of Jacob. He's the one that's gonna have the, that has the promise. Right? It's true of Isaac. He's the only hope that Abraham has that God's going to come through in his promise. Um, Tobias is the only hope that Tobit and Anna have. And Anna is, she's had enough of, to- of Tobit, right? She's, she's, she's skeptical. Why would you do this? This is the dumbest idea you've ever had, right? You're sending off our son, okay? And, but, Tobias is faith- but Tobit is faithful. That's, um, it's, that's one of his key attributes in this story, Okay? Maybe. Yeah. Sure. Right. So, so I, I would entertain that idea in this way. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the, these Old Testament stories. Um, and, and he's, I, so I'm going to say just right up, straight up, I think he's the fulfillment of this story. Um, because he, whatever, what he does, he does to another degree and better. So 
he has nobody with him. He's, he's, sent off, he's sent off by his father alone. He suffers shame, reproach on the cross, um, and dies, right? And is buried. Um, and, uh, yeah, and his, and his father is bereaved, right? And his mother is bereaved. Yeah, Carol. Well, I was just thinking of Jesus sending off disciples two by two. Sure, yeah, yeah. Ta- uh, nothing. Take nothing with you except for... Not even a staff, right? That's how it goes, yeah. Um, so sending, you're right, sending is, is thematic. Let's, let's keep driving here. This is, this is just great. I, can har- I, I know it doesn't look like it, but I can hardly contain my excitement. Because if we get to chapter 8 today, it's going to be... Now, as they proceeded on their way, they came at evening to the Tigris River. Pull out the painting that you got in front of you. And they camped there. Then the young man went down to wash himself, and if the story hasn't been crazy enough already, a fish leaped up from the river and would have swallowed the young man. And the angel said to him, catch the fish. (laughs) So the young man seized the fish and threw it up on the land. Then the angel said to him, cut open the fish and take the heart and the liver and gall and put them away safely. So the young man did as the angel told him, and they roasted and ate the fish. Just, you know... That's how you get breakfast, right? So this is painting by Peter Lastman. This is the, of all the artistic renditions of, him, of this scene, this is the only one that satisfied me because this is the only one where the fish is big enough to actually eat Tobias. In other ones, the fish is small. I don't, I don't understand. He's got to be a threatening fish. But to, uh, no, notice this. I think this is great. Notice the look um, on Tobias's face. He's... He's listening to Raphael, right? He's just, he's just doing what Raphael says. He's following instructions. Um, and, and this is the character of Tobias throughout the story. He's not, nothing is up to him. He's doing what he's told. Um, it's sort of against all odds and against what seems best, right? The fish that's going to eat you, yeah, go ahead, catch that fish, all right? Seems like a good idea. Um, and then, by the way, cut it open, take the liver and the gall and the heart and put them in your pouch, Okay. Just do it. All right? So he's, notice how obedient he is. All right. Any questions? Yes, that's right. He, he was seeing a man, right? Yes. The, he, didn't, he didn't know. For whatever reason, he didn't know. He didn't know that he was an angel. Now, I missed. I, this is terrible. I, and when I read chapter 5, I skipped a paragraph. Just verses 17 through... This is verse 17, right? So, Tobias, Tobit said to Tobias, get ready for the journey. Good success to you both. So his son made preparations for the journey, and his father said to him, go with this man. God who dwells in heaven will prosper your way, and may his angel attend you. Again, Tobit says there's going to be an angel, and he doesn't even know that Raphael's there. So they both went out and departed, and the young man's dog was with them. Okay, we have to get that. The young man's dog, there's the dog. And that's all we, that's all. So he shows up again one other time, but he doesn't do anything. Um, but he is in every, every picture of the story. There's the dog. I, I read this. Uh, I thought it was a, a delightful theory that um, the dog is also an angel. Um, because, and here's why. So when, when um, Tobit says, an angel will go with you, the you, we don't do this very well in English, you means you all, y'all, right? 
meaning you, Tobias, and you, Raphael, an angel will go with you. So, I mean, so you have to, you have to at least entertain the question, you have to ask the question, why the heck is there a dog there, right? Why would they bother mentioning it? And what, what does it indicate, right? Um, if nothing other than God's fidelity, that's okay, but, uh, or a representative, a symbol of God's um, sustenance, you know, his provision. Um, but the dog is, so the dog seems incidental, incidental, but it certainly stands for something, right? It certainly stands for something bigger. The dog protects you like, can't sneak up on you because the dog barks. That's right. Yeah, and a, and a dog is, is loyal, um, you know, sacrificing itself, right? Um, it's, 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 a, it's protective, right? Um, the dog, and the dog goes along with him, okay? So, sorry, I, I, that, I ruined that by missing it earlier. Okay, so they've got the fish, they, they eat it, and he's got the heart and the liver and the gall, and he put them away. Then they both continued on their way until they came near to Ekbatana. Then the young man said to the angel, sometime later, he says, Brother Azarias, of what use is the liver and the heart and the gall of the fish? So he's been carrying them for a, a while. And he said, why, why do I have these? He replied, this, by the way, reminds me a great deal of Isaac, the sacrifice of Isaac, right? They're trotting along, they go a long way, and then some, at some point along the way, Isaac's like, what are we sacrificing here? Right, um, which is uh, again. So he puts the he puts the the stuff in his bag, just trusting that Raphael knows what he's doing. Okay, but then Raphael explains. As for the heart and the liver, if a demon or evil spirit gives trouble to anyone, you make a smoke from these before the man or woman, and that person will never be troubled again. As for the gall, anoint with it a man who has white films in his eyes, and he will be cured. So there you go. Problem solved. Okay? Now, uh, any questions? Can we keep going? So they got near to Ragus, and the angel said to Tobias, Brother, today we shall stay with Raguel. He is your relative, and he has an only daughter named Sarah. This is where the two stories converge. I will suggest that she be given to you in marriage because you are entitled to her and to her inheritance, for you are her only eligible kinsman. The girl is also beautiful and sensible. Now listen to my plan. I will speak to her father, and as soon as we return from Ragus, we will celebrate the marriage, for I know that Raguel, according to the law of Moses, cannot give her to another man without incurring the penalty of death, because you, rather than any other man, are entitled to the inheritance. Um, okay, so... The, we've heard all kinds of stories in the Bible about leveret marriage, right? Where, where the nearest kinsman needs to marry the, the bride of a, somebody who's died, right? The story that comes to mind here, from any, any stories come to mind here? Yes! Ah, way to go. So, and one, one of the great things about Ruth, so do you remember how this goes? Boaz is not the nearest kinsman for Ruth, right? Um, and he, but he's a he's a uh, a righteous, judicious man, and so he's there's an, there's somebody who's nearer who has a, a right to marry Ruth, and so this is how he this is how he pitches it. Remember, he says, "Hey, you you can marry Ruth if you want, right? She's your she's um, you're entitled to her," and the guy says, "Oh, that sounds pretty good." And then 
Boaz says, by the way, when you marry her, you get this field too, right? You get this, the rest of this inheritance. And the fellow didn't want to uh, jeopardize his own inheritance because remember when you marry somebody else's wife, the, the wife of your kin who has died, you are taking their place. You are not your own man anymore, right? Everything that you gain, everything that you, um, all the children you have as a result of that belongs to your brother's family, not to your family, right? So this fellow was, not, was unwilling to do it, but Boaz was, which makes him, I mean, this is, this is the, the, why Boaz is a type of Christ, right? Because he was willing to, to suffer um, the loss of his own inheritance in order that he might give Ruth and uh, uh, give, propagate her um, family and Naomi's family. Okay? And so um, now this, this very same question is coming up here. Uh, Tobias, you're the, only one, you're the only one left. Does this sound like a good idea to you? Well, Raphael doesn't really ask the question, but Tobias says... <laughs> Brother Azarias, I have heard that the girl has been given to seven husbands and that each has died in the bridal chamber. Now, I am the only son my father has, and I am afraid that if I go in, I will die, as those before me did. For a demon is in love with her, and he harms no one except those who approach her. So now I fear that I may die and bring the lives of my father and mother to their grave in sorrow on my account, and they have no other son to bury them. So everything's coming together here. Sarah's the only, son, only child of her, her parents. Tobias is the only child of his parents. And he's a little bit concerned. She's seven husbands dead. He's waiting. What makes the eighth one unique, right? Um, and so he's, he asks this question. Are you, sure, are you sure, Raphael, this is a good idea? The angel said to him, Do you not remember the words which your father commanded you to take a wife from among your own people? Now listen to me, brother, for she will become your wife, and do not worry about the demon, for this very night she will be given to you in marriage. When you enter the bridal chamber, you shall take the live ashes of incense and lay upon them some of the heart and liver of the fish, so as to make a smoke. Then the demon will smell it and flee away and will never again return. And when you approach her, rise up, both of you, and cry out to the merciful God, and he will save you and have mercy on you. Do not be afraid, for she was destined for you from eternity." You will save her, and she will go with you, and I suppose that you will have children by her. When Tobias did these things, he fell in love with her and yearned deeply for her. Okay, so what, what are your observations? What stands out to you? He didn't see her before. Nope. No, yeah. So, I, I'm not, so what prompted his love for her? Hmm? Right. Yeah, the words of Raphael. So... Look, you have to marry, you've got no choice. You've got to marry this one, right? Because you have to marry somebody from your family and you're the only one for her because there's no other kinsman, right? So Raphael says, basically, this is, this is the way it's going to be. And what, follow, what follows subsequently is love, which is, uh, you know... But also with sense of safety. That's right. Well, so, yeah, yeah it's interesting because, um, yeah, Raphael gives him this assurance, Right? You're going you're gonna to make the smoke. And in addition to making the smoke, what else are they going to do? Pray for mercy. This is why I'm so many people get up in arms about uh, it's this hocus-pocus kind of stuff. It's not, it's, it's not. So Raphael gives them specific instructions to burn the gall and the, and the heart to scare away the demon, which, you know, it probably smells terrible, right? It would probably scare a demon away. But, that, but that's not it. It's not just a, a, you know, a talisman um, that 
work superstitiously on demons because they, they're going to pray for God's mercy, right? That's a very thing to do, by the way, right? To, to listen to God and then pray for his mercy. Just, I'll uh, say that. Okay. Um, what else? Anything else? Um, there was one other thing. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, Tobias um, is just all throughout, all along at this point, he's just taking Raphael at his word, right? He's doing what he's supposed to. What's that? Very trusting. Very trusting, yeah. Yeah. And you wonder whether he's just gullible or or what, you know? Well, relationships in the story. That's right. Raphael is a kinsman. Yeah. And now she's a kinswoman. Right. Exactly. So, so um, if Tobias is going to trust anybody, it's going to be whoever his father tells him to trust, right? Cousins or yeah, right. They're not brothers and sisters. Yeah, and more important. I mean, this goes back to reproach and shame. More important than his own life is 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 obeying his father, keeping the uh, honoring the family, right? Um, Saving the name of the family. Burying his father, right? I mean, that's his, that's his final concern. He says, well, if I die, who cares about me? Nobody's going to be left to bury my folks, right? Um, it's a remarkable thing. It really is. Right, Krista? Um, it was um, the heart and the liver because the gall, he saved. He's got to hang on to the gall for future use, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, any questions? Okay. Riveting. What's going to happen next? When they reached Ekbatana and arrived at the house of Raguel, Sarah met them and greeted them. They returned her greeting and she brought them into the house. Then Raguel said to his wife, Edna, how, how much the young man resembles my cousin Tobit? And Raguel asked them, where are you from, brothers? They answered him, we belong to the sons of Naphtali, who are captives in Nineveh. So he said to them, do you know our brother Tobit? And they said, yes, we do. And he asked them, is he in good health? They replied, he is alive and in good health. And Tobias said, he's my father. I think it's supposed to be funny. I think it is supposed to be funny. I mean, this, can you imagine if, it, like, a, a theatrical rendition of this? This conversation would be funny, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, then Raguel sprang up and kissed him and wept and blessed him and exclaimed, Son of that good and noble man, when he heard that Tobit had lost his sight, he was stricken with grief and wept. And his wife Edna and his daughter Sarah wept. They received them very warmly, and they killed a ram from the flock and set large servings of food before them. So it's this really bittersweet reunion, right? Uh, Why do you suppose Raguel springs up and is so excited to see Tobias? Yeah. Yeah, it's not just um, a, a sweet reunion of the family, right? But now he's, there's another kinsman. Okay? Then Tobias said to Raphael, this, I think this is one of the funniest parts, Brother Azarias, speak of those things that you talked about in the journey <laughs> and let the matter be settled, right? <laughs> would, you mind, would you mind talking to Raguel now? Tell, talk about that marriage thing. So he communicated the proposal to Raguel, and Raguel said to Tobias, this is what Raguel says, 
Eat, drink, and be merry, for it is your right to take my child, but let me explain the true situation to you. I have given my daughter to seven husbands, and when each came to her, he died in the night. But for the present, be merry. So, he, so yeah, you can marry her, but let's just live a little longer, all right? And Tobias said, I will eat nothing here until you make a binding agreement with me. So Raghavah said, take her right now in accordance with the law. You are her relative and she is yours. The merciful God will guide you both for the best. Then he called his daughter Sarah and taking her by the hand, he gave her to Tobias to be his wife saying, here she is, take her according to the law of Moses and take her with you to your father. And he blessed them. Next he called his wife Edna and took a scroll and wrote out the contract and they set their seals to it. Then they began to eat. What, what are your impressions? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So he's not even going to entertain fear, right? Right now, sign the sign the deal. I don't. Nobody's changing their minds. Very quickly, deal too. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, they've done this. They've done it a few times, right? They know. They. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They know how this goes. I was surprised the wife was included in making the document. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure about the about the cultural significance there, but it, um, and this is in fact the earliest reference to a marriage contract um, in, in ancient Near Eastern literature. Um, you, you have divorce, papers of divorce, going back to the time of Moses, right? But this is the first time there's a marriage contract. Interesting. Um, Maybe it has to do with the Assyrians. Could be. Yeah, it could be. It could have been something inherited from, from the Assyrians. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Everybody on board? Okay. Raguel called his wife Edna and said to her, Sister, make up the other room and take her into it. So she did as he said and took her there, and the girl began to weep. But the mother comforted her daughter in her tears and said to her, Be brave, my child. The Lord of heaven and earth grant you joy in place of this sorrow of yours. Be brave, my daughter. What does she not say to her daughter? Don't worry. He'll make it. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, I, I mean, and we'll see in just a second, both Raguel and Edna expect this to end the same way that they don't, they don't have the inside information that Tobias has, right? Um, so, and she is sad. Now, interestingly, Kierkegaard... Soren Kierkegaard in, in um, Fear and Trembling, I think it is. I just read this little excerpt um, where he talks about he, he talks, talks about this story. You might find it interesting. Um, he says that Sarah, he says, this is not a funny story. Sarah is the most tragic figure that the world has ever seen. Um, and so why would that be? Why, why would Kierkegaard say that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she, I mean, and so she's always cheated from it, and now she's compelled to to do it again, right? So now think about this. This is where the story is. So just love it. Okay. Um, 
Christ in the church, the people of Israel, and their bridegroom, um, the, the king of Israel. Who was sent to Israel that, uh, that died regularly, seemingly at the hands of Israel? The prophets, right? They were looking for a Messiah, someone to save them, and every time they got someone, they would put them to death, right? Um, and, they, and they were waiting for, just like we heard last time with Simeon, they were waiting for the consolation of Israel, right? And now Jesus comes along, and what happens to Jesus? Things, he looks like it's going to be exactly the same, right? It's the same story happening over again. I mean, and it's happened so many times before. What's going to make this time any different, right? Um, this, is, this is really, I mean, this is the story of Israel. This is, this is it's the story of death and resurrection, which is, of course, you know, the only story in the Bible, right? Um, and and here, we have, here we have it isolated in this figure. So we have this tragic figure of Sarah, this tragic figure of Israel, who's been, I mean, on account, on account of the sins of Israel's princes and priests, Israel, the people, the faithful people of Israel have suffered. They haven't, they haven't been shepherded. They've, they've gone after other gods, Baals, other husbands, rather than the husband that they've been given, right? Um, okay, now, um, so Sarah's sort of compelled to take this, to, to endure this again, right? This is going to happen again. She just has to go with it. Um, and that's why Kierkegaard sees her as this tragic figure. Is there any significance to her name being Sarah and spelled the way that it is? Um, maybe. So Sarah means princess. But Sarah's, her name is changed. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I have to dig a little deeper. You mean in connection with Abraham and Sarah? Yeah. Maybe. If you come up with a good theory, I'll, we'll, I'll, I might say yes. <laughs> yeah, right, absolutely. But I think it was a common name. It was a common name. So that's where we, I mean, so it's, we, have, we do have to be careful. This is why, so interestingly, I would love, one of, one of the things I would love to have be true is a connection between the book of Tobit and the Apostle Paul, the conversion of Paul. Remember how that goes? Saul, blinded, Scales fall off his eyes. And who's the guy who's there? Ananias, right? Now, there are lots of people named Ananias. But, I mean, how often does it happen that there's a blind guy who's, who has scales fall off his eyes in the, in the presence of somebody named Ananias? I haven't worked it out yet. It's probably not there. But if you figure that out, let me know, because that would be great. Um, okay. Chapter 8. When they had finished eating, they escorted Tobias into her. And you can hear, like, you can hear the background music is, um, yeah, I know, Darth Vader's theme, maybe, right? It's, it's, it's not good. As he went, he remembered the words of Raphael, and he took the live ashes of incense and put the heart and the liver of the fish upon them and made a smoke and when the demon smelled the odor, he fled to the remotest parts of Egypt. Remember on the map, Egypt was the opposite direction. And the angel bound him. So there's, so there's two parts involved to that, right? They scare him away, and then the angel binds him, right? It's not just, it's not a, it's not a superstitious thing. Like, this is, this is how God takes care of the demon, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, so when we burn incense in a, in a, in a house blessing, 
Why do we do that? It's because it smells like church then, right? And where, where, do, where do demons not want to go? Church. It's not, I mean, there's no promise attached to it. It's not, it's not that Jesus says, burn incense and you'll scare the demons away. But we know that, at least for the sake of uh, you know, your, your, you, you know, your faith, our faith, that smelling the same thing that we smell in church is going to remind us that Jesus is there with us just as he is here with us, right? Um, but you, you can see how, how important smell is going all the way back here. Okay. I find this interesting because, you know, the Bible always says that the angels are always fighting the demons on earth, and I guess I never realized where that was happening. This kind of gives an instant. Right, yeah, in the remotest parts of Egypt. Right, because because just what, what does Jesus say about when you cast the demon out? He goes through waterless places, and he comes back, and he finds the room swept, and he brings all of his friends along. Right, unless he's bound by bound by somebody. Right, this is just Tobias is the model of faith. The demon is gone. He could say, "I vanquished the, the demon," um, but instead he. Praise for mercy. And Tobias began to pray, Blessed are you, O God of our fathers, and blessed be your holy and glorious name forever. Let the heavens and all your creatures bless you. You made Adam and gave Then they both went to sleep for the night. So now, uh, does that remind you of anything? The words that he says in that prayer? Does that remind you of anything? Anybody? What's that? Okay. Yeah, right. Well, it's, yeah, trust. Right? Um, and so uh, he's, he's swearing this vow, right? It's a Christian marriage. Um, he's saying it's not going to be inadvisedly or the passion of lust. I'm going to give that in the back row there. They're coming along. That's right. Yeah, well, you know. You have, to, you have to make it culturally. Yeah, so just use, your, use your imagination just a little bit. But I notice all the angels above their bed. Now, th- interesting, this is totally unrelated to the theology of the matter. This painting, at some point in the century through the 19th century, somebody came up to it and sliced it right down the middle with a knife. So, and then that finally during um, World War II, there was all kinds of art theft and, um, and a lot of art stolen from Jews the art was returned to its owners. The left side was returned to one owner and the right side returned to another owner. And they, 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 somehow, somehow the story goes, they realized that they fit together. Huge issue because one, one person owned one side of the painting and another person owned the other side of the painting. And they had to figure out who got the whole painting. And it, went, it, went, it, was, a, it was settled in, in 2011, finally. Who, who, gets, the, who gets the whole painting? Uh, I, yeah, well, that's the thing. The museum, the museum um, owned the left half but the right half belonged to the estate of somebody who was missing. And his wing on the left side had been painted over because they're like, what's this wing doing here? Right? Um, so they had, to, they had to repair it. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. <clears throat> they both began, they went to sleep for the night. Okay. But Ragu, now this is knowing about it. So the maid opened the door and went in and found them both asleep. She came out and told them that he was alive. Then Raguel blessed God and said, 
Blessed are you, O God, with every pure and holy blessing. Let your saints and all your creatures bless you. Let all your angels and your chosen people bless you forever. Blessed are you because you have made me glad. It has not has going to die. Find that he's alive and fills in the grave. Now, what does this remind you of? The resurrection. Okay, so get an empty tomb for one thing. Holly? Okay. Okay. Yeah. It sounds, so here's the other thing. This is the resurrection thing to me. There, there were previously seven graves. They dug an eighth grave and filled it in. What well, you know? The number eight, right? The resurrection day, the eighth day of the week, right? The eighth grave. The eighth grave is empty. So, well, so that, I mean, that, that stems from, so it, it, it's, it's historical, circumcision on the eighth day, right? So that, you get that already from the beginning. Um, it's the first day of creation, creation, the renewal of creation. Um, so you don't see the, this is the important thing. You don't see the fulfillment of it until you, you don't get the key of the, to the story until you get Jesus, right? Um, but then you see that this is the way God has been has been saying he's going to do it all along, right? Um, it, I, it, I think it's, it's just, it's just a, a beautiful image. Um, and then also, uh, let's see. Yeah, so, the, so, the, so they fill in the grave. There's a the, there's story, you know, you know the story, I read it this morning in the devotion of the widow of, the widow of Nain, right? Do you remember this story? Right, we'll just do this and then wrap it up. Let me just read it for you real quick. Luke 7. And this, in this story, Jesus is obviously, based on the context and based on what happens in the story, he's obviously recapitulating, playing out again, the stories of Elijah and the, her, the, the son of the Shunammite widow, and Elisha and the widow of Zarephath. I think that those are the names. Somehow those names are mixed up together. Those two guys and raising from the dead only sons of, of their parents. And then in Luke 7, we get the story of the widow of Nain, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples, and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Uh, sounds a lot like what um, Sarah's mother said to her. And it's this bizarre thing that he can say to this woman. Her, her son is dead. Don't weep. Right? <laughs> on what basis can he say that? Well, he came up and he touched the beer. Now, who does he sound like when he touches the coffin? He sounds like a guy who touches dead bodies, right? So they, you've got this coffin, and here Jesus is um, in, in, touching the dead, right? And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. The coffin is vacated because Jesus has... has um, has raised the young man from life, from death, right? Um, this, is the, this is the way that uh, Jesus works in, in the world. This is what Jesus is here to do, to take the grave and empty it, to take the coffin and, and empty it, to restore only sons to their mothers, um, to, to be the consolation of Israel. And then people said, a great prophet has arisen among us. And that, this, is, this is why this is not the end of the story. Jesus raising the widow's son, that's not the end of the story. He's just a prophet at that point, right? He's just, he, that's what prophets do, 
right? So, so finally, it's, it's Jesus' own, um, you know, endurance of death, suffering the shame of the cross, um, where he does, he's not just touching it from a distance, but enduring it himself, uh, where he, fu- he, fi- he finally fulfills everything that's been, um, everything that's been told before him. Okay, you have any questions? It's the same when, when he was giving the daughter. That's, that, the little daughter, Lazarus, yeah. right? Yeah, he touched the little, the little girl, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, and the only—I mean—the only begotten child, the, restoring the only begotten child is just a, a great because because Israel is the is God's only is, is my beloved son, right, right, um, and Jesus is God's only son, God the Father's only son. Okay. Yes. So does that mean that Jesus had to go through a purification process? Well, I so. I think occasionally he did things ritually to um, fulfill all righteousness. But if you're the guy who can raise the dead, who can vanquish death, who can erase death, then you're not made unclean by by things that are unclean, right? So this is the the brilliance of of all the stories we hear about Jesus encountering lepers, getting into the baptismal water with all these sinners, is that he, you know, you'd think this would do a guy in, Right? But he, he takes it all into himself and, and bears it to the cross. So that's the purification. If they're, you know, um, is, it's on the cross that he, he pays the ritual price for, for, for the uncleanness of the world. Okay. Two things. Um, I am going to let Pastor Nelson teach sometime. <laughs> I've been having too much fun, though. So um, I won't te- let him teach next time because I've got to finish Tobit. But maybe the time after that. Now... Um, there will be no Bible class next week, okay? No Bible class next Friday because we're gone. <laughs> I, I don't want anybody else to teach Tobit. I want to <laughs> <laughs> okay? So we're taking, we're taking next week off. If you see anybody who, else who comes to Bible class, let them know. Um, and then we'll pick it up again. It would be May, like the 6th. Yeah, okay? Let's close with prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. 